away there. This is the post Newcastle 2 0 victory. PH expanded with Mike McDonald. Uh, it's late here in the US of Tennessee, and my thoughts are still, I think, in my mind. Let's hope so, anyway. Uh, that game, after I watched it back, really was quite joyful on so many levels. Um, of course, it seems more joyful when it's de-stressed and you can watch it back. Uh, I never used to watch games again. I didn't seem to have much interest, but I suppose coaching prompted me to. And when my family time allows, there is so much value and so much you see when you re-watch it. Um, and also I was prompted by the Arsenal Vision crew who rewatch and I rewatch with them and it's uh it's something I would prompt you to do for this game in particular. So if you taped it, have a look back, have a look back at the game and just enjoy the um how pronounced, I suppose, our all six of our new signings were all in one game and how you know, it's not just the first time it wasn't a one-off. You know, it's Ramsdale, right? From Ramsdale to the imperious White, who was faultless. Who else have we got there? Uh, Tomiyasu and Tavares. They were the two features for me, and there was competition from others. But those two had so much intensity for 95 minutes, non-stop. The 95th minute looked like... Well, it looked better than the first, quite honestly, because we started a little sluggishly as a team. But my goodness, their athleticism and fitness and energy and just their general desire to um, to win and to be a personal part of that. And that might sound goofy, but there are many players when you watch them that you get the feeling that they can sort of take it or leave it. If they win, it's great. And they're all millionaires, so the win bonus doesn't mean what it used to, to mean, you know? But they, um, those two play as if their life's on the line. And Tommy Yasu, I suppose, maybe he deserves the biggest round of applause because he doesn't really have competition right now. Uh, Tavares does so there's a huge incentive for Tavares to do what he did but again I don't see many players who will jump out of that comfort zone of being up against a formidable opponent in Kieran Tierney and most players would just think well you know what's the point when he's fit he's coming back in because he's more experienced he's better than me he's well respected he's a he's a professional uh, to the uh, the nth degree, he's a top performer for this team, he's consistent. Why should I think I can be superior to him? But that doesn't seem to be the attitude of Tavares. But moving forward, uh, where are we? Lukonga? Well, gosh, again, not just that he uh, controlled the middle of the field, but that his partner sort of struggled today, the senior player. Again, and Sambi doesn't wilt alongside him. He takes the challenge up and decides that he is going to carry the cape, as I said in my blog, and try to be the hero. 
um, and uh, make a difference and not just conform to the malaise of the first half somewhat, you know? And then moving forward, is this the 6-1 Odegaard? Is he our sixth signing? Let me see, Ramsdale and the two fullbacks and White. Yeah, so so Odegaard's are our, our 6-1. And if I was being fair, I would put the top six players from yesterday, I'd switch Odegaard and Saka. Saka would deserve to be in that top six and Odegaard would be out. But Odegaard was coming back into the team and he grew into the game. And he had a good game. He wasn't fantastic. But I think overall, we love the talent. And I, in particular, love the fact that he offers something that others don't. If we can get him clicking with our forward line, and that hasn't quite happened since he's been at Arsenal. But those through balls, we need more runs behind. That eye of a needle gift that he has that it's not just... Many players in the Premier League don't have it. There's not many players in Europe that have that. And so talent is what uh, keeps me motivated with him more than anything else. And his performances are good um, and often very good. Uh, I just feel like um, his effort that he's willing to give will always give you a 7 out of 10. And then his talent will get you to 8 and 9 out of 10. Anyway, we haven't even really started with with uh, the podcast uh, order of uh, of play. But, but here we go. I was just too excited to not mention that. Uh, I felt the sliding doors moment of the game. Um, tough to pick out. But actually, I felt it was that one minute to 90 second span of time when Callum Wilson went through on goal. And it was, uh, it was one nil. Is that right? Or nil nil? Um, but it was in between. Um, anyway, he was through on goal and Tavares, watching the replay of Tavares chasing him, putting every bit that he had into catching him and then being mature enough to not foul him, but put put him off balance with a legal shoulder barge. That needs to be spoken more of because that was just a very mature way of dealing with that situation. And it wasn't a foul. You're allowed to shoulder barge. He was within playing distance of the ball. And Callum Wilson was knocked off balance. I'm not sure he necessarily dove like he did on other occasions during the game. But um, what an effort by Tavares. And if he doesn't do that, Wilson um, equalises. I think I'm right. That would have been the equaliser. Uh, anyway, didn't happen. We go down the other end and we score. Um, that changes everything. So whether Newcastle deserved to be back in the game, sort of irrelevant really, isn't it? Because you don't always get what you deserve. So um, they would have been. Uh, that was the moment. The positive I wanted to talk about was Mr Martinelli. Um, there's lots of layers to this and I don't want to jump too um, enthusi- over-enthusiastically just off the back of uh, a, a very good substitute performance and a stunning goal. But because Pepe is clearly on the outs, then the prayer is that Martinelli gets those minutes. And in the busy holiday season, there's more minutes to be handed out. And that substitution today showed to me at least that Martinelli is going to be favoured 
because the game was in the balance still at 1-0 when he came on. And Pepe might have been the comfortable choice, but Martinelli was given that opportunity. And that's becoming more frequent, not for Martinelli, but that Pepe doesn't get to play. And from going from having the most minutes at the front end of the season to now, as we're approaching the middle portion of the season, where he's only played, I think, is it five minutes in the last five games? There's obviously something going on there. And and I'm good with it because he just hasn't earned that long-term trust. And we have this gem in the wings and that super annoying phrase that bugs everybody, the like a new signing thing. Uh, it bugs me too. But I've always thought that there's some truth to that. And that's actually quite a good phrase, as annoying as that is. But Martinelli could be that for us. He could be not just like a new signing coming into the holiday period. He could elevate the, particularly the beginning of games. Because if, there are a couple of ways that you can energise the crowd. And I talk about this often. You know, ideally, I think all teams at all times should try, at home at least, to come out first 20 minutes and try to get the keep the energy that their fans have, uh, have as a natural enthusiasm for being in the stadium and and grab that energy and multiply it. Um, and so I think sometimes the other way that you can do that is one player. You know, we all have been to games or had periods of times where we've gone to support our team. And if we're honest, it's not just our team we're there for. There might be a player on the team that makes you... <laughs> Or nudges you to make the decision. You sit on the couch today. It's a long train ride. It's going to be a late night. But I really want to watch Alexis Sanchez, for example. And he was the kind of player that would make you want to go to the stadium. And Martinelli, if played from the start, which he may well do on Thursday, has that kind of enthusiasm very similar to Alexis. And whether it's going right or wrong... He's he's just one that creates a buzz when he gets the ball because um, of his energy and enthusiasm and um, and the possibilities. He's not obviously got to the levels that Alexis did, but I wonder if Alexis was that good at his age, but he wasn't. And so I think that starting Martinelli, if you want the crowd to be energised, he's maybe the primary player in our entire squad that could do that by himself. And as I mentioned in the in the blog, I think Arsenal need uh, to sign somebody who has individualism as their primary gift, like St Maximin. Um, but Martinelli has it in a multitude of different ways and his package that he offers uh, will elevate the crowd. It'll make you want to go to the game. It'll, it'll get you excited and... And going back to his goal, what impressed me more than the technique, which was elite in that moment, was the fearlessness. Because I was waiting for him to get smacked by the goalkeeper and laid out. Um, and I don't know if he knew that the goalkeeper was coming to... Uh, well, the goalkeeper should have come all the way. Didn't. I'm not sure Martinelli knew that. So the fearlessness of... Uh, of that and um, he just excites me and his incessant nature of 
that that he has to play the the game. I, I desperately want us to use him more often to encourage him a to stay and b to to grow and believe that this is where he can do that. Um, whether that be on the wing or at centre forward, because his uh, skill set to me leans towards centre forward. But it's hard to uh, trust a younger player in that position, whereas you can in some other positions on the field to develop a slower because you need that guy at a club like Arsenal to be guaranteeing you at least 15 goals. Anyway, moving on. I've got uh, Mr. Saka, Saka as uh, the need that I wanted to bring out and trying not to be Captain Hindsight here. I'd written in my notes before he scored that he needs to uh, calm down and gain composure before he shoots. There was a moment in the first half where he snatched at a shot. Maybe it was the one where he jinked in and out of the defenders, I forget. But but this is a repeat um, that I see from Bucky Osaka. He can get himself into really good situations. And I just sense that he gets overexcited. And I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's the emotion that he transmits to me. And therefore, he tries to hit the ball too hard, which is what you do when you get overexcited. And... <laughs> I speculate that that injury, he got that upper thigh or whether it's groin injury that he looks like he's got, I think that came from the goal because he he didn't miss hit it, but he was sort of off balance and out of control hitting that ball. He did not need to hit it with that much energy. And so uh, that's just an improvement for him moving forward. Um want to finish on the, the hope that I'm... That's, sort of swimming around my brain can't let go of it talk about it too often certainly with you guys which is the world of Aubameyang Lacazette our striker situation when do we do something about that do we in January have the belief that these two will carry us through and when I say carry us through I mean are they going to get us fourth place because that looks open and it looks like the obvious target Pre-season, I think some people would have said, let's wait till next year to believe in that. But the teams who are vying for fourth place, Arsenal have to see themselves as in the mix there. And we are. So, do we trust what we have already? Of course, we have Nketiah and Balogun as well, who may come into the uh, picture. But again, as younger players, do you trust a younger player to get you over the line into fourth place? For me... I would love to see Arsenal do something in January. And if they can't get uh, the top target that they want in January, I would wait until the summer and get a short-term uh, solution in. And I've made notes here of a few that we can think on here together. So, um, of course, the the long-term solution to me, top of my list, is Dusan Vlajevic. Uh, scored again today. Uh, can't stop scoring. Assisting as well at both international level uh, for Serbia and for Fiorentina, perfect for what we need, just hoping he would adjust to the Premier League. Calvert-Lewin in, in second place, um, and then there's a list of others. But but I want to focus on the short-term solutions. And I when I think of short-term solutions in a World Cup year, I think of players who are not going to be satisfied to stay where they are because they want to 
participate in their World Cup, get in the in the squad, and maybe even get on the field, and they're going to be motivated to get um, minutes. And so, maybe the best choice, in actual fact, is Olivier Giroud. Um, he, I think, for the first time in a long time, didn't even make the French squad. And normally, he, uh, as we all know, he he starts and plays significant minutes for them, and is one of the top scorers in the history of the country, and is arguably more effective for France than he's ever been for any particular club. But he's not playing at Milan. Ibrahimovic is playing with Rafael Liao and uh, Rebic and others ahead of Giroud. And Giroud, yet again, like he did at Chelsea last season, is clicking his heels on the bench. Uh, wouldn't have to adapt to the Premier League. Um, he's not the ideal long-term solution, but that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to find a short-term solution as even as an option, a backup. We could still play a Bamiyang Lacazette up front, but we need that physical presence, that pivot, that guy who can hold the ball up when we're under the caution. We have to, we have to get out, but we don't want to be under a constant, a constant stream of pressure. So there's one thought for you. Some of you will hate that, I, I know, but some might think that's kind of, kind of cheeky. Um, Vekost, Val Vekost of Wolfsburg is on the periphery of the Dutch team. Um, another similar player to Giroud. Um, a monster in the air. Of course, you've got Luka Jovic at Real Madrid not getting to play. He could be the one that we go for. I think he's probably the most likely because uh, he's now on the periphery of the Serbia team. He was the number one striker and he's been elbowed out of the way um, by Vlajevic, uh, and, and mainly so. Um, so he's sitting on the bench for Serbia. I noticed that and, and he offers a little bit of everything. Uh, Divock Origi, again, maybe not the name that makes you jump out of your pants, but uh, he um, seems to be quietly effective for Liverpool when he's given an opportunity, and, and he's one that's going to want to get in the Belgium squad. Uh, so so there's a name for you to consider, and that one has been has been whispered. Um, Paulsen, Youssef Paulsen, who's at Leipzig, um, and he's on the periphery of the Danish team. So there's another target man that we could look at short-term. The one that I would love and I wanted three years ago is Edison Cavani. And I don't think that Uruguay are even going to qualify for the World Cup. But I think in his um, his last few years, he's going to want uh, to do more than he's been doing at United the last year. And who knows what his future is going to look like under their new coach. Maybe he'll be first choice if if the coach is smart, he'll, he'll utilise him. Because Ronaldo, as many goals as he scores, is not going to press. And so with Ralph Ranić uh, being at United and his main feature being Gekin pressing and Ronaldo not willing to do it and can't be trusted. I'm wondering if Cavani will stay, but boy, if we could persuade him on a short-term contract to come to Arsenal, to me, he would be the number one choice, the guy I would go after. Hey, thanks again. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for reading the blog. It was super fun to write. I had a good day. Hope you did too. Cheers.